0: We need an American Girl doll who was poisoned by radium paint at her factory job painting watch dials.
1: Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI, In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Have you been listening to Lizzo's new song, Girls? Oh, with six R's, I don't have to lie.
0: Yes. <laughs> because to have TikTok at this point is to listen to Lizzo's new song, Girls. Have you counted the R's? Yep. There are three, I believe. I was gonna believe you when you said six. <laughs> yeah, I think it's three. I just see R's and I'm like, okay, cool, that's the right amount.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I have been grooving to it, but it's uh, it's been embroiled, one R, in a little bit of uh, drama. It's got a little embrolio going on. All one R.
0: It's, yeah, a really great song, but she found herself in some some hot water, some er, hot some, water, some spicy water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rachel, uh, lay it down for us, break it down. So, after this song came out, a lot of people online were extremely quick to point out that the song uses an ableist slur, which we will not be saying on this show. Can't get us. Nope, not today, Satan. <laughs> There were tweets, there were TikToks, there were Instagram posts. And as we have said in the past, Lizzo is one of the most online celebrities of our era. Also, importantly, extremely good at being online. Which is to say, she definitely saw these things. This isn't
1: the case of a celebrity whose social media is totally run by a team. And Mm -hmm. occasionally a camera gets held
0: up to their face and it's like, say these things for us. That's not Lizzo. There's no plausible deniability that she has not seen any of this the online disability community mobilized very quickly to let Lizzo know that the words she used in the song were not okay, which of course meant that she immediately doubled down. (laughs) Record scratch, not this time! (laughs) For once ever in our show, I think we maybe have had one other celebrity whose no-tap apology we said was good. So second time, Lizzo took the criticism and listened and learned earlier this week lizzo wrote it's been brought to my attention that there's a harmful word in my new song girls let me make one thing clear i never want to promote derogatory language as a fat black woman in america i've had many hurtful words used against me so i understand the power words can have whether intentionally or in my case unintentionally i'm proud to say there's a new version of girls with a lyric change this is a result of me listening to and taking action as an influential artist, I'm dedicated to being part of the change I've been wanting to see in the world. EXO, EXO, Lizzo. Works for me. I, honestly, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10, <laughs> simply because the word sorry does not appear anywhere in this apology, which, you know, you should say sorry at some point. However, she gets points for literally everything else. <laughs> what is the new lyric? The new lyric reads, Do you see this shit? Hold me back.
1: I guess I'm surprised... Or maybe I'm not surprised. I'm disheartened that this is considered so impressive and novel. Making a good apology
0: when you truly made a mistake in earnest shouldn't be abnormal? It shouldn't be. I mean, it's normal to feel defensive when you're called out. But I think when you're a celebrity and you have a huge platform, then you have a responsibility to grow beyond that defensiveness and figure out what course of action you want to take. I'm not going to say that every single piece of criticism that Lizzo gets is something she needs to take in and address. But she clearly is good at distilling and discerning what criticism she actually wants to address.
1: I just I think we're coming away with this with a new a new
0: motto. WWLD. What would the Lord do? No, what would Lizzo do? That's honestly even more important.
1: That is all the time we have today for the Notes app. I will say uh, it's not all the time we have on the show for the <laughs> Notes app because I simply cannot tell a lie. And it would be a lie to say we'll never talk about the Notes app again. But for today, we are done. We are going back in time to a simpler time. Childhood. Give me a juice pouch and a nap. (laughs) We are still talking about girls, though, this one with an I. Uh, More specifically, we're talking about the lasting online legacy of a,
0: I would say, a key feature in our childhoods we've discovered. The American Girl Dolls. If you've listened to this show long enough, you know me and Madison have had very different childhoods.
1: (laughs) I shared a pair of shoes with my brother walking uphill both ways to school in the snow. Back Mm -hmm. in my day.
0: (laughs) Back in my day on Tumblr while Madison was in the woods.
1: (laughs) So you might be asking yourself, what the hell does the Internet have to do with American girl dolls? And why are we two adult women about to very excitedly delve into this? Uh, These dolls are perhaps best known for their series of characters that lived in different historical periods from the American Depression to the antebellum South to uh, that one who lived somewhere in Scandinavia. Who knows? I don't really know her full story, but she was the blonde one, so I was vaguely familiar.
0: Yeah, Scandinavia tracks. But recently, American Girl dolls have joined the absolute clusterfuck of 90s-era cultural mainstays that are getting a modern reboot. Thankfully, there is no television show associated with this because (laughs) I don't even know what that would look like. (laughs) Yet. Uh, Did you know there's a bright angle
1: here? I did. I did this just for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On June 1st,
1: a.k.a. the first day of Pride Month, the official American Girl brand Instagram account wrote an announcement about the re-release of the classic Molly doll. While supplies last. Molly is the World War II era, blue beret, plaid top wearing doll. To all the Molly girls in the world, we see you and we celebrate you. A classic is back.
0: Now, to anybody on the internet, this would raise exactly one question. Is Molly gay? Molly is a big old lesbian. It's canon now. I don't make the rules. And did American Girl just out her? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, You can guess exactly how this played out in particular communities on the internet. But I will say, since that moment, we have seen a raft of memes about American Girl dolls. Up here online. And I don't know that the Molly outing incident of 2022 is precisely the origin point for these memes because American Girl has had a long legacy on the internet, has certainly been percolating for a while. But I'm um, gay rights, I'm gonna go ahead and say it had something to do with it.
0: The Molly Pride post is a very important point in the internet chronology of American Girl memes, which
1: actually have been popping up a lot on social media recently. We actually have a voice memo from New Slate intern Hannah Dr. Loeb all about this. I've been seeing a lot of these memes on TikTok and Twitter that go something along the lines of, we need an American Girl doll who insert any common, quirky, fun, modern moment. And I found them really interesting for a number of reasons. Number one being that there's this idea that American Girl dolls are supposed to you know, represent us. And two, found it interesting because there are full-grown adults who are still obsessed with American Girl dolls. Anyways, I feel like there's something there, and I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it.
0: We definitely think
1: there's something there.
0: And today, we're going to talk all about those memes, about that chronology, about whether or not Molly is gay, yes, and answer the question of why some parts of the internet are still obsessed with American Girl dolls long past the age when we played with them.
1: We will get into all of this uh, dollaciousness after the break.
0: And we're back in the dollhouse. So as we said before the break, the big news is Molly's gay. (laughs) Look, I want this to be true. But is she, though? What did American Girl have to say about this? Well, we don't actually care what corporations have to say. But the comment from the official American Girl doll brand given to every news outlet that asked, and there were a lot because we're all hungry. (laughs) We're starving. Feed us. American Girl, international, limited corporation, whatever, said the new Molly collection releasing today is simply aligned with when all of our new summer products are debuting. Nothing more. So what they're saying is June 1st was not special. It just happened to be a day, (laughs) which. So Molly did not throw the first brick at Stonewall. (laughs) um, No, I, I don't think that was ever up for contention. The company line, to me, makes it sound like, you know, she's just an ally, but I I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. We might see Molly on a pride float this year. <laughs>
1: Probably. Uh, as delightful as this um bit has been uh, that we've been playing out, uh, it was not an entirely uh, happy moment on the internet because after the American Girl Instagram account posts about Molly, the American Girl Instagram community, uh, the girls
0: are fighting. I was going to say, you might say the girls are fighting. <laughs> But before we get into the contemporary, I feel like we need to take a step back and not, you know, assume that everyone has the same American girl brainworms that we do. And let me just say, y'all are in for a treat if you don't know what American girl dolls are.
1: It's a history lesson within a history lesson. Uh, and that is actually, I think, where we should start, right? That's what's so great about American girl dolls, or at least something
0: I've always enjoyed about them, is the historical care that mm-hmm. was baked into them originally. I don't know if you know this at this point, Madison, but I'm a history nerd, so this was right up my alley as a young child. (laughs) That fooled me. All right, give me the book report. So, the American Girl doll line was created in 1986, which feels quite recent to me. For some reason, I felt like these were around forever. Well, right, because... Barbie was born in 1959, so... I just can't... It's so ubiquitous in such a short amount of time. But the creator was named Pleasant Rowland, which is the name of an American girl doll, to be completely honest. (laughs) So she's a writer, an educator, and a major history buff, and she created this line of dolls basically exploring a series of historical settings And creating these backstories where young girls could kind of explore what it would be like to be in these eras. So every single one of the original American Girl dolls have these historical fiction companion books about these characters that just elaborates on these backstories. This was extremely my shit. This was so much my shit. I cannot explain to you how much this was my shit. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's funny. I have a distinct memory of, like, aligning myself with the doll that looked most like me, Kirsten, Mm -hmm. the Scandinavian
0: uh, girly. Exactly. That's exactly how it always works. So, yes, as Madison mentioned, one of the dolls was Kirsten Larson, who's a Swedish immigrant who settled in the Minnesota Territory in 1854. There was Molly McIntyre, the girl who threw the first brick at Pride. Not really. (laughs) She just was around during... Second World War. mm mm-hmm. Yes. And Samantha Parkington, who's an orphan living with her grandmother in New York during the turn of the 20th century, which I always had a question about Samantha... Which, how, are you really an orphan if you're living with your grandmother? Like, I feel like orphans just don't have any family. It's a
1: technicality. Look, the, the boxcar children were orphans, too, and they all lived happily ever after with Grandfather was, Alden. so also
0: my shit, I love the boxcar children. I can't get into that right now. <laughs> so those were the original three dolls, and mm-hmm. then they obviously have expanded the line since. Mm-hmm. So... The OG American Girl dolls actually refer to six dolls, because by 1997, they added three more characters to the historical characters lineup, including Felicity Merriman, who represented the pre-revolutionary war era, Josefina Montoya, who lived in 1824 New Mexico, and my personal favorite, Addie Walker, who at the start of her story was enslaved with her family in North Carolina, but later escapes to Philadelphia.
1: So did you have an American Girl doll? I had to. Okay, so... I'm going to assume you had your personal, your aforementioned
0: personal fave.
1: Mm -hmm, Who mm -hmm. was your second?
0: It was one. So one of the most, I think, sacred parts of being an American Girl girl was going to the American Girl store, Mm. which there are multiple different stores. There's one in New York. There's one in Chicago, which is where I went. And you can get an American Girl doll who looks like you. It's your own personal American Girl doll. So that was the one that I had. The original, I had Addie, which my mother actually had gotten for her sister. And I was not really allowed to play with that one because it was actually, like, a historical relic. Like, she had the original little, like, pinstriped costume. So... I I grew up surrounded by American girls. My mother also loved American girls. Like this was definitely a a collaboration <laughs> between the two of us. You had a partner in crime. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I mean, she was like, who would who would fund this? Because uh... <laughs> I, I ain't had no money. <laughs> she was like, this bitch is in history. Let me let me encourage this. <laughs> so what about you? I mm, so I had an off-brand American Girl doll. Oh my god, the payless
1: version. Not really. It was. An equally nice but never got as big doll company called Magic Attic. And instead of uh, historical (laughs) lessons, the accompanying books were the set of friends, the dolls, who would hang out in an attic. And when they put on dress up clothes, they would be transported in time and place. It was uh, Magic Treehouse, but with dress up clothes and 10 year old girls. Wait, that
0: sounds so fun. Yeah, it was
1: really fun. So I had Allison, who wore a lot of denim. This is my uh, my queer origin story. She was a camp counselor in one of her uh, traveling spinoffs. A camp counselor and denim? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I didn't have an American Girl doll. My sister, though, she did have one. But I do remember very distinctly the American Girl, like, care and keeping of you body book.
0: Yes! The most progressive book I think I had access to as a child. It was just so nuts and bolts about a developing body of a girl I there's this one image that's just ingrained in my brain. the boob timeline? I was obsessed with the boob timeline. I was also obsessed with the boob timeline but no there's this really just anatomically correct description and photo of how to insert a tampon and as a child I was like (laughs) (laughs) what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here like boob timeline, boob time.
0: Happy Pride. I, 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 you know what? Between the denim, the camp counselor, and the boob timeline, we're talking. <laughs> you're, you're really revealing a lot here. So we talked about the historical dolls, and
1: then mm-hmm. you mentioned the the dolls that you could customize to look like yourself. So that was like a late 90s, early 2000s contemporary invention. Exactly. And I remember like they got freckles. That mm -hmm. was a big day. Exactly.
0: Yeah, they featured like a huge diversity of hair colors, skin colors, facial features. So even if you weren't necessarily represented in the original historical doll collection, you could still see yourself in these dolls. For a pretty penny. These dolls were expensive. I feel like we really do need to say it was They are, they remain pricey. Yeah. And the historical dolls, because much like, you remember when Disney used to put movies in the vault? Yeah. Which just meant that you couldn't access them in a Target if you wanted to. American Girl did the same thing, where certain historical character dolls, like Addie or Samantha, were taken out of the production lineup, so you couldn't buy it, which meant that they became collector items. Which means that they're even more expensive now, which is why whenever a new doll is re-released, it becomes a huge thing. At a time when there was kind of just a, a huge lack of diverse dolls, American Girl was just pivotal to a lot of people. Not least because the historical characters in their regenerations had fully fledged and realized backstories. So what you're talking about with, you know, when you talk about Addie Walker and her story, there was nothing like that. I mean, truly, even with Barbie, there was nothing like that. And the books that went along with Addie the doll were even more accessible than having the doll itself. They are full scenes, I remember, from the Addie Walker series. Like, there's one, not great, but great, and it's historically relevant, where an overseer makes her eat a bug off of a tobacco plant. And then there's another moment that I still, in writing the prep for this episode, kind of got chills thinking about, where she's reunited with her father and brother in Philadelphia because she escapes with her mother— And they leave her father and brother behind. And so this is a really common story of enslaved people. When they escaped, they would be separated from their families. Or even after the Civil War, there are people who never found their families ever again because that was just one of the conditions of slavery. And this was just represented in what was functionally a children's book. It makes perfect sense then that they're relaunching these dolls, right, as like a
1: nostalgia bait sort of situation years after they premiered because Girls, mostly, who grew up with these are now adults <laughs> mm-hmm. with credit, card, uh, <laughs> credit cards <laughs> who want to share in the
0: nostalgia for themselves or their children. And I mean, at this point, if there's anything we know the internet runs on besides like caffeine and terror, <sighs> it's nostalgia, which brings us back to the present and why the news of Molly coming out was such a big deal. That was a nice little wordplay there. It wasn't on purpose.
1: (laughs) When we come back, we're going to talk about what exactly that big deal looked like and what American Girl has to do with uh, Shrek. Uh, I swear we will make that make sense after just a quick break. In
0: 2007... Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC, available now.
1: Hey, listeners, we hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your very first time listening to us, welcome. Hi, we're so glad to have you here. We really don't talk about dolls all that often. In case you uh, missed it, we do make that joke very often. Our show actually comes out twice a week, Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this last Wednesday, where we
0: talked all about how One Direction invented the Internet as we know it. And we're back. In the present, though, I'm not going to lie, I think I'd much rather be hanging out with Samantha Parkinson in her huge fucking house. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I though mean, maybe not, <laughs> given the racial politics of the progressive era. <laughs> I mean, Look, this is bad, and uh, now I'm going to admit to having had a parasocial relationship with a doll. She always seemed like a huge bitch. Okay, that's the thing. She is still known colloquially on the internet as a huge bitch, but we're going to get into that later. <laughs> she has like Veruca Salt energy. And the girlies picked up on that. (laughs)
1: Um, So speaking of uh, progressives, I guess, uh, they were not the only ones who had reactions to the news that Molly may or may not uh, have been born this way. (laughs) Some anti-gay American girl accounts. Yes, those exist. uh, Started posting photos of the dolls wearing different colors of the rainbow, along with Bible quotes and condemnations of homosexuality attempting to, quote unquote, take back the rainbow, per NBC News. Uh, Not a reclaiming of the rainbow. (laughs) We can share, guys.
0: (laughs) The rainbow's for
1: everybody. Taste the rainbow. (laughs) One user wrote, This month is known to some as Pride Month. I am a Christian, and as a Christian, I do not support this. I believe that God made two genders, and that's male and female. Another user quoted Revelation, which, you know, light stuff.
0: My favorite book in the Bible. But it's not all. Doom and gloom, though, unfortunately, is part of the massive rise of anti-gay hate across the country. We got to take our wins where we can. So while the Christians are angry and spending their time
1: and energy yelling about the sexuality of a doll, (laughs) uh, everyone else just seemed to be having some
0: good laughs. In the wake of Molly's coming out and subsequent recloseting by the American Girl doll Instagram account, (laughs) a new meme format emerged that goes something along the lines of, we need an American girl doll who dot, dot, dot. And then something wildly specific. So you might imagine in the wake of Molly, someone might say, we do need an American girl doll who's gay. That's not what this meme is. Here's one from TikTok to give you a better sense. We need an American girl doll who read an explicit fan fiction way too young and it changed her as a person. We need an American girl doll who has 100 plus opened and unread AO3 tabs on her phone. We need an American Girl doll who reads fan fiction until 4 a.m. every night at the detriment of her sleep schedule. The American Girl doll is literally just me. There's already we already have one. (laughs) We already have that American Girl doll. It's me. It's Rachel Hampton. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. So this
1: meme has really taken over TikTok. The we need an American Girl genre. But I would say that. It's the case of a migratory meme, because in my mind, this is a text-based meme that started on Instagram. So the TikToker we were just listening to, at Juice in a Box, that's boxed with two X's, actually credits an Instagram account in his caption, which is at canonically incorrect pod. Uh, But there are so many other accounts just like this. If you search hashtag American Girl Doll.
0: You will find the most hyper-specific jokes you will ever find, except just under the guise of We Need an American Girl doll. You sent me a really good one. I thought you were going to bring it up. Oh, that one's all for you. We Need an American Girl doll who knows all too well. (laughs) (laughs) We Need an American Girl doll who's a single mom who works two jobs, who loves her kids and never never stops. stops. (laughs) She's a survivor. Uh, For me, I think it would be
1: like We Need an American Girl doll who convinces her uh, mom and sister that know she doesn't wanna go to the grocery store so she can sing show tunes at the top of her lung while performing Defying Gravity on the kitchen
0: island. Is that, that's just you, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. No, who else would it be? <laughs> I actually think that's a fairly universal experience, <laughs> to be completely honest. <laughs> okay, though, honestly, one of the best ones I came across is from at Daily Hurricane on TikTok. So in the background of the video is a screenshot from another TikToker of an American Girl with the caption. We need an American Girl doll who survived polio and is now in an iron lung. I saw this on my feed today and it made me laugh because there literally is an American Girl doll who survived polio. This is her. This is Mary Ellen. She got polio when she was younger, but like she survived evidently. And because she got polio, one of her legs is shorter than the other. Like. They purposely made her this way. I feel so bad for laughing, but I was going through my stuff the other day and I noticed she had a shorter leg. And I was like,
1: what? Okay, Polly is not funny, but uh, the fact that the American Girl dolls are so specific and detailed to themselves, I think what makes this joke work. Like, shout out to the designer who made one of Mary Ellen's
0: legs just a little shorter than the other. It's just so careful.
1: The meme, of course, made its way over to Twitter while we're talking about meme migration. So if you search the phrase, we need an American Girl doll
0: who, you will be greeted with many a twit. We need an American Girl doll who hooked up with a guy in college that said him and his girlfriend were over. And then six months later, post his proposal to his girlfriend of nine years in an Applebee's. And then five years later, posts that he's at the January 6th insurrection.
1: We need an American Girl doll who works in local journalism.
0: We need an American Girl doll who's into true crime. No, we don't. <laughs> No, we do not. (laughs) I have to say, I really love this. It's like one of the few nostalgia
1: field trends that doesn't make me want to be. We need an American Girl doll who wants to jump off a cliff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, for anyone who's been in the corners of the Internet where properties like American Girl or Dear America, if you know, you know, or really any sort of historical fiction targeted at little girls <laughs> it's
0: not really a surprise to see American Girl doll memes on Twitter in 2022 if you search Samantha Parkington on Twitter you will find such gems from quite literally years ago like imagine rolling up to the American Girl doll play date with fucking Samantha Parkington the Victorian era doll when all your friends had the cute modern ones yeah I'd say I faced some adversity in my life that tweet comes from at underscore wild milk which your milk is wild <laughs> Thank you, Wild Milk. I gotta say, and stay with me here, this reminds me of Shrek. Uh, I'm not a believer yet. Just just keep, just stay with me. Stay with me, all right? The most important quality of a meme, or a long-lasting meme, to me, is the way it walks this, like, super fine line between the specific and the universal. It also has, like, a healthy dash of nostalgia. This is then, of course, taken to its most extreme form— which then makes it into a meme rather than just a screenshot. Mm. A lot of the most lasting meme fodder, to my mind, comes from properties like Shrek or Spongebob. Sure. And that's because of their ubiquity. To the point that Shrek has become so ubiquitous that, as we noted in an earlier episode, a whole lot of people know a whole lot about Shrek but haven't seen the movie. Get out of my swamp! (laughs) But American girl dolls walk that fine line absolutely perfectly because of their ubiquity and their range. The super diverse thing that existed at a time where that wasn't actually that normal. So a broad swath of people growing up are familiar with the contours of these fictional historical girls enough to reduce them to their most absurd form.
1: Okay, you did. It was a long walk. (laughs) We meandered a little, but we did get there. I agree, and I also feel it's very satisfying Shrek and Spongebob have more gender neutrality Mm -hmm. to their origin point. It is really satisfying to have a meme built for little girls or built by former little girls.
0: Yeah, it really reminds me of some of the things Caitlin Tiffany was talking about in her book about One Direction, which is, this shit's fun. (laughs) I now need
1: to reset. It's our Days Without Incident calendar. It's Days Without Rachel talking about One Direction.
0: Yeah... That incident calendar is never going to go farther than five, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, we did need an American Girl doll who escaped from slavery and one that survived the Great Depression and one that survived polio. But what that means now in the year 2022 is that we now need an American Girl doll who got chased by a killer clown in 2016. It'd only be right. We all need an American Girl doll and uh, you probably do, too.
1: All right, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It's the best way to make sure that you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your uh, doll communities about us. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at ICYMI underscore pod, or you can shoot us an email, ICYMI at slate.com.
0: ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Madison Malone, kircher and me, Rachel Hampton. Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online
1: or in a magic attic, if you know you know. Mobilized.
0: Mobilized. Yeah. Motivation
1: by Norman. We're so close. I'm a beer mobilization. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the story of the one.